meat suits. Sorry, I was sounding weird. I wasn't sure where to jump in. Um, welcome back to Read and Weep, a podcast about movies and friendship. This is season five, Kevin Bacon's Exquisite Corpse, and we are just three cowboys playing a very long movie watching game. I am your host, Alex Falcone, recording as always in lovely North Koreatown, Los Angeles, and I am joined by frenemies, I guess my my two. Sometimes partners, sometimes rivals. First up, he's at Anthony Lopez, part two on Twitter. He's in Southeast Portland. He's good, and I mean not that good, but like good, I guess. Like good at some things, also bad at other things, and a terrible person. It's Anthony Lopez. Alex, there are two kinds of podcast hosts. Those that everyone agrees with and are always happy to see him. <laughs> and those who dig themselves out of the messes they constantly make for themselves. <laughs> you dig. Well, also joining us, he's the co-host of the Old Gamers Almanac podcast. He's uh, coming to us from the woods of Brooklyn. And he's bad. I mean, not like bad, bad. He's like bad at some things, good at other things. He's mean. But he's not meaner than the good people. Anyway, it's Hunter Donaldson. Yeah, wait. So who does that mean I am? Who are you making me in that one? You're the bad. Be. He was I'm good. Bad. You're bad. Yeah, I'm nasty bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm a bad, bad guy. Bad, bad guy. It's the good, the nasty, and the ugly. Yeah, yeah. I want to be the nasty. Can I be the nasty? What if it was the nasty, the ugly, and the not so good? I I mean, I do think they're all, like, they're all bad, and they're all, like, sixes. You ever seen Is that the wrong? I feel like the they're all they're all pretty similar. So you don't understand Clint Eastwood's appeal, is what you're communicating. No, I do see. Okay, maybe he's the seven, and then there's two sixes. But Tuco is not ugly. Like I, yeah. I feel so bad for the for Tuco. I am just. Which, by the way, he's, sorry, he's for those an you, ugly soul. Yeah, he's you an ugly. I mean, he, he is. That's no, the thing. They're all, the they're all ugly two. in that way. They're is really all, the problem. They all have sixes for souls. Also, <laughs> the thing literally is, a hitman. So I mean, like that's pretty ugly. But and the other two kill all, people for fun. Also, yeah, they don't kill people for fun. But it is uh, the thing is, it's like, are they talking about the characters or are they talking about the Wild West? You know, because this movie has remember, the good and the ugly. I, uh, the I, Wild West. They put their names over their pictures, if I remember correctly. Yeah, like they're pretty they clear do. on who is what. Yeah, they and, do specifically say yeah. who is what. But it had been a while since they'd said Tuco was ugly, and so I was like, "Is there another ugly person who's going to show up?" Because <laughs> this guy, he's he's fine. He seems nice, and I mean, none of them are nice. They're all bad people, but like they all killed for money. But no, anyway, yeah. what I should say for those joining us, wait, no, no, I gotta say this did first. You, this is more important. Did, this is more important. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. No, this is more out. Yeah. Ezra's not here today, so that's why we're wrapping this up and going right into huh. chatting. Ezra can't make it. Um, his uh, his son got uh, uh, norovirus. Norovirus? Norovirus. The one where you throw up Nor- for two days and then don't care again. Okay, norovirus. Norovirus. Okay. Sorry, neuro sounds way worse. Neurovirus. Yeah, and no, I'm no, like, no, what norovirus? is that? Anyway, he's thrown up, and uh, which is bad news bears for everybody in that household. Yeah. But um, You know what? Throwing up for two days and then not caring again sounds delightful. I take that <laughs> any day of the week. It can be a little cleansing. Yeah. I we got norovirus norovirus from a kid a couple years ago, and it was a really unpleasant evening. Um, it's it's gnarly. Um, and also it's that's like the cruise ship virus. That's like everyone who's ever heard of you gets sick the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get everyone who's looked at me sick in the next ten minutes. Um, anyway, so as can make it, he's uh, looking after his kid, um, which means I'm the ugly. And I would just like to say again, in Tuco's defense, he's a six. He's a Civil War eight yeah. at least. I mean, this is an ugly time. I mean, yeah. 
he's also the he's basically the main character i mean mm-hmm. as far as the movie is concerned he, he's the he's, he's the most interesting the, of the characters yeah. he's, he he's the only talks. one whose family we meet it's useful yeah. to talk and tuco actually speaks words whereas clint eastwood just kind of chews yeah, yeah i mean he doesn't say anything he's <laughs> the only one that's like a character everyone else is like a myth yeah right? like a walking uh archetype more than person and um, he's got a bit of a character but um, can we back up just ezra listen? would like to we, say that he would be if he had a choice he would say that he's broody mamuni which is my terrible italian pronunciation mm. broody mamuni um which is the ugly but tasty and it's a cookie in, in, an italian mm. cookie and that's what beautiful. that means beautiful and since it's this is an italian movie that makes right, perfect sense. all right yeah. please anthony um tell me I what just, you're gonna say before did you think did you say Clint Eastwood was like a seven in this movie. Are you out of your fucking mind? Dude, every one of these guys is so hot in this fucking movie. Okay. Just prime. Oh my God. For two seconds, Anthony, think for two seconds about how bad all of these people smell. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, were yeah. you watching this in Smell-O-Vision? No, no. Do you have a fancy Smell-O-Vision? You're, you're not going to walk up. Alex? You're not going to walk up and be Do like, you? man, that guy was so hot. All you're going to be able to think is that is the smelliest man I've ever been oh, near. And again, I, I don't know. the strongest sense tied to memory. You're not going to remember hot people. You're going to remember the way he smelled for the rest of your life. That's it, was, not, it would be so off-putting. That's not a thing. Here's what is also, a thing. personality that's is sexy, blue Anthony. He is he the wears... worst personality. He is the dumbest person in this movie by a fair amount. It's so weird how dumb this character is. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I can, I can agree with all that. I got no problem with it. But to you, to not say that Clint Eastwood is not so fucking hot in this movie. He's hot. He's fine. Okay. Clint, Clint Eastwood's mind. a nine. He is. He's a so... Civil War nine, and he smells like a two. The way he's dressed, the outfit in the beginning before he gets all sun pocked, but like yeah. that blue shirt yeah, also, and the yeah, long skirt. He's like he, he's hat. turned into a raisin for three quarters, mm. like a burned raisin for three quarters yeah. of the movie. Clint Eastwood is so fucking hot in this movie <laughs> that his son has got to be in 40 movies because he kind of looks like his dad <laughs> in this movie. That's how hot Clint Eastwood is in this movie. His untalented, not good acting son gets to be in a bunch of big blockbusters because he kind of looks like Clint Eastwood in this movie. Even, what is his son? That's how hot is Scott Eastwood? He's been in a million things. He was in like the Fast and the, one of the Fast and the Furious movies. He's one of those guys. He's like, um, well, he does kind of look that, like Clint the Eastwood. Mean girls, he stopped trying to make Fletch happen. He's one of those actors. Okay. Like Hollywood is really trying to make Scott Eastwood. Is his name right? Yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Uh, Scott Eastwood happen. He's in Pacific uh, Rim. He's in a lot of action movies in Overdrive yes. and Gran Turismo and Dangerous and. Yeah, but he's he's in a bunch of stuff. Hollywood is trying to make him happen. He is a charisma vacuum. He is when not... you say Hollywood is trying to make him happen, I sort of assume it's like his dad is also involved in this. No, I don't think his dad cares at all. Uh, you I don't can't think imagine. you don't think Clint Eastwood is like put my son in this movie. I think Clint Eastwood is and more focused on. If you get, if you get a like, call from the man with no name, you're not like, yeah, I guess I should put this kid into my movie. I think he's more trying to, like, you know, work on his own little movies and, you know, do all the crazy stuff he's doing. But I am kind of curious um, what he's up to. Any, but basically, so he's he's a, he's a little bit of a he's a smelly cutie in this movie, but he is. 
he has no skills in the movie either. He just squints. Uh, three he hours. shoots a hat into well, a grave and okay. then a gun into Sorry, the grave. Right. That's not say, skill? as an actor, no skills. That's he, not as a gunslinger, skill? he, he knows all the tricks. He's got all the gun tricks. Yeah. He but, can recognize a person from the sound of their pistol firing. That's not a skill. <laughs> he has no skills. Okay, so he's yeah, also a witch here, is right? what you're saying. Yeah. He's like a cute smelly witch. Yeah. yeah. I just I I just a don't smelly get... boy witch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just he just uh as an actor in this movie, his only thing is his eyes are narrower than you'd expect. See, right. I disagree. I disagree with and that. He's, I think he's that smelly cute. with his eyes being narrow, you disagree with that? His eyes no. are narrow. They're no, I disagree. He's squinting. No. Yeah. The the idea that I think that like he doesn't do anything. I think this is the type of performance that comes off very effortless mm-hmm. and um doesn't look like he's doing a lot, but it it is. Like you you've seen other performances where people, especially because this performance and this archetype is stolen so much. Uh-huh. So many people have tried to do this, and it usually doesn't work. Like the fact that he is so like dialed in and has such a good relationship with a director and sort of knows how to work those angles, especially like playing a character like this on film, right? It's mm-hmm. not like doing it in like a play or anything like that. Like you have to be aware of how you're going to look from this angle with this lighting, with this and how your performance is going to read. Like there is a lot of work that he is doing. It comes off very effortless. It helps that this is the third time he's played this character and he's also done a bunch of other movies. And it all right. happened back at this back. point. It, you know? It's his third time playing the character and it's year three and they all happen sequentially. So, I mean, it's like yeah. he's, he is very dialed in at this point because this is he's showing up to do the job that he's done twice yeah. before already. I want to hear the... more about this, um, but I we have a couple of things we want to get to before we dive all yeah, into the movie. Yeah. And also, I would mm-hmm. like to point out that if you Google Clint Eastwood, Google's little information box lists his occupation as former mayor of Carmel by the Sea, California. Wow, he was a mayor. Yeah. Apparently, he was the mayor of a small town in Monterey County for two years, and mm. they have prefer they've they've ranked that higher in terms of his occupations than his movie career, which is great. Okay, but we'll come back to the man with no name, and I'm we'll say an eight and a half looks. Um, just, but before we do that, I just want to I just want to thank I mean, all of our two and a half buddies. full numbers we negotiated that's, him up from. Next I mean, we spent ten minutes of this show already. Just tried to get Alex to increase his score, and he did two and a half. Uh, points. Next thing you're going to be like, Lee Van Cleef doesn't have a fantastic that. mustache. That's where this is going. And if you say that, I'll punch you through the screen. No, Alex. you're right. You're right. It's it's a fancy mustache, and I like a good, good mustache. I I don't think it makes you hot. I think it makes you like no. interesting oh, we didn't say and Lee memorable. Van was I would hot. say it's hot. No, I say he has a great mustache. Yeah, he has a good right. mustache. It's good I mustache. Mean, it's he's one of those actors that like him and the mustache are a package deal. He <laughs> always has the mustache in a movie. Do you know how iconic your facial hair have to be has to be to like keep your mustache in every movie you're in? But don't you think Eli Wallace is also a little bit cute? Eli Wallace is very cute. I wouldn't mm-hmm. call him ugly. Is all I'm saying. No, I would never he's call an him ugly the... soul. What a oh man, he's like he's, yeah, he's got the rugged you know five o'clock shadow, but. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, it's good in a bubble bath. We really appreciate all of our fantastic meat buddies who support the show. If you want to join them and help keep this show limping through uh, the fog, you can go to metreon.com. We really appreciate everybody who supports the show. Um, before we talk about the movie, 
I want to do a quick segment one, the news, um, personal news a little bit, and then more national news. Um, th- this is movie related. So I want to tell you a personal news, which is uh, we went and saw the Wizard of Oz in the graveyard over the weekend. What? Um, we I live very close to where Judy Garland is buried. Wow. At the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Also buried there, Toto and the director of the movie. So they do a movie series in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery every summer. And I've been wanting to go for a while. It was closed down because of COVID for a bit. And Mm. uh, um, this was the only one we could go to. But it was like it was Judy Garland's 100th birthday. And so they were showing Wizard of Oz in a cemetery with all of these people involved in the film being buried there. And because it's Hollywood, they also had Judy Garland's daughter introduced the movie. So she was also at the graveyard. But on the other side, Liza Minnelli. Not Liza Minnelli. Her, Liza Minnelli's half-sister, whose name I've forgotten. She has three kids from the five yeah. marriages. I don't remember. Um, but not Liza. I would have remembered Liza, for sure. Okay, um, yeah. But it was it was such a good time. And if you yeah. guys are ever here in the summer, we're going to go watch a movie in a graveyard, because it is just... It's a really, really cool uh, vibe of this thing. Um, it's also a cool graveyard, just to, like walk around in it. And because this is LA, the only green space in the city of Los Angeles, the only parks are uh, golf courses you're not allowed in or graveyards. So it's mm. like the only like nice green walk that you can do in, anywhere near me. Um, but the, when was the, the last time you saw Wizard of Oz with you guys a year yeah, and a half for the ago? show. Two oh, years ago? Yeah, we yeah, did yeah. it for the show. Yeah, we watched right. it not too long ago. This was actually I, it's funny. Just also there's something about as you guys both know, this is a, a, a dumb observation, but like watching a movie with a big group of people who are excited about it mm. is a very different experience. And I see the mo- I saw totally. the movie differently. Yeah. Like there are things I didn't I never laughed at on my own. But hearing the whole crowd laugh, I was like, oh, that is pretty saucy. I like yeah. that. Yeah. There's a line where Glenda goes only bad witches are ugly and everybody <laughs> lost their mind and i don't i don't exactly know why it's funny but i was like that is kind of funny that it you're is like funny. <laughs> you're ugly because you're bad or you're bad because you're ugly either way it's an interesting observation but the whole crowd loved it and so i was yeah. like yeah that is kind of fun yeah that's cool i mean i i would love to watch every movie with a hyped crowd for yeah. whatever movie it is that yeah we're watching you know um, I mean, that's I, honestly what keeps me liking like big budget, like like I'll go see a Marvel movie if it's in theaters on like the first night or whatever. Yeah. And there's yeah. people that are going to eat up the every, heads. every little bit of it. I'll just kind of ride on their coattails and enjoy the movie. Well, it's also yeah, a I mean, little different with an older movie because it's like it's the things that people resonate with might be different than if you saw it the first weekend. Like one of the things about this crowd was that these were big Toto fans. This was a. This group was really into Toto. Every time he did like the anything, band, not the dog, right? Specifically, really the dog. Love, uh, um, yeah, I they, think it was they, the dog. You know, they, yeah, like, they were. I mean, they also be might have been fans of uh, of that song where uh, Kilimanjaro is, is right next to. The, I don't know. Am, am I alone in this? But the second you started describing this, I just feel like it'd be weird to watch like the movie near where they're buried. Like that just feels like a weird experience to me to see yeah, their that's... alive young like and like and their core. And she's sixteen. Right over yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. No, it is weird. I, I mean, mostly it's just a big lawn in the corner. You're not like you're not on the gravestones. You know, um, it's really just an outdoor venue that happens to be part of this uh, cemetery. Um, there's actually this. There's a good documentary from about the cemetery called The Young and the Dead that was about this like buying this. Hollywood cemetery in disrepair and like turning it into a cool place to go. Um, but yeah, like she is, she is in a room and Judy's got like a room. She's like 
the most yeah. famous person there. And it's like full of memorabilia and people come there and like write her messages and cry and do all like, yeah, I mean, she's I very important. To this. Toto has got a bench and a little dog statue. You don't see the corpses. You see like benches and rooms. Well, and yeah, stuff. yeah. I, I know I mean, how a cemetery. They don't bring that, like, Judy out during the movie, <laughs> Hunter. And like resurrect that, like, her. <laughs> honestly kind of seem to me, at least it sort of seems like very poetic and beautiful where like, the closest thing to immortality that exists in this world, right, is like being a part of something like Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah, and it's, that, that it, holds up. Is, that people still talk about. That people yeah, still watch there, in big groups. There is something to like, you know, like being close to where she's, you know, final resting place and all of that. But like, you know, like she's living on through this. Like there's something kind of beautiful yeah. about yeah, that I like juxtaposition, so. you know? I, I see both of your points that it's weird that her corpse is over there, and also it's kind of beautiful yeah. that this is immortality. Both of those things are, are true. Um also there's like a you know, there's like snacks and stuff and you're on blankets. Yeah, it'd be weird if time. they did it at like the papa's grave, all the munchkins were buried in, like yeah, in somewhere, right. you know, like there, that uh, yeah. Well, so that's actually that reminds me of the other thing about what looking at like some of the upcoming programming for this. So some of the other things are they're showing aliens, which would be uh, like it's it's spooky. I think a spooky movie in the graveyard is a good yeah. idea. Um they're showing But I'm a cheerleader, which would be like as part of Pride oh, Month, yeah, a big yeah, fun yeah. party movie. But then they're also showing Purple Rain, which would be like largely a cool concert experience. But there's also some like really uh, awkward scenes in that movie where he like abuses a woman. And I feel like watching in a big party atmosphere uh, screen yeah. abuse would be like, Ugh. like, wouldn't what a weird what a weird experience for all of it. So I, it's just yeah. a, it's a really interesting movie project that's going on here. Um, wow. Yeah, they're showing a lot of stuff here. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of it sells out really fast, so we were like, yeah. we were lucky to get tickets to it, and I was very excited about it. Um, we can't watch any Alien franchise because my wife thinks it's too much walking. Wait, what? <laughs> if you ask her about Alien, she'll be like, they're just walking around the ship. It's just all walking. There's so much walking in that movie. Well, in, in Alien, yeah, because it's all just on a ship, but the, but in Aliens, there's a lot of running. More, yeah, Aliens, there's a lot more running, for sure. There's a lot of running in Alien. Alien, there's also a lot of like crouching in the vents and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that which is I, like I the slowest does not appeal to her okay. walking all right well, one more thing i want to talk about really quick this is in national news um i did not bring it up last week when it was announced that uh, the jokester 2 was um and when they, they first announced the mm. sequel uh and but then, why are you doing it today why do because we need to do this? this week they announced that it's going to be a musical with lady gaga hey yeah, great. <laughs> and I just would like to know your like, why is this happening to me? Well, because I didn't, the first I didn't one made a billion dollars. Well, yeah, that's that's yeah. The how answer. is it that like no one likes this movie and it made a billion dollars? Uh, a lot of people, a lot of like people like this movie. Unfortunately, oh, I just um, want to hang out with bad enough people. No. Well, no, I mean, I just I I think if you have never seen any of the films that influence it, and like the the thing I said about Joker, I think when we talked about it on this was like if you. If you take out all the Batman stuff and the Joker stuff, it's like a kind of just like a sort of fun, non-offensive taxi driver meets king of comedy homage. But it's all the Batman stuff that really wears it down for me. And I do look, I'm not to me, it's more I'm not a big fan of Todd Phillips as a filmmaker. Right. Um, I, I don't think he has a great film in him. 
but do you he's think if he, if he did, it would be a musical? Like, can you explain to me why yeah. this is a musical? It may what as well be mean? a musical. It may yeah, as well I mean, be. At least I might. I'm now. I might see it. Yeah. I might yeah. see it. I was absolutely if, not going to see it for sure. If and anything, now I might. well, one thing about Todd Phillips that I do kind of respect is, you know, like he, the way he talked about the original Joker movie. Uh, he, when he talked about like how he got Walking Phoenix on it, it was like he sold it to him as like a heist, essentially. He's like, I want to make this movie that's essentially like a like I said, a king of comedy, taxi driver, an homage, a seventies crime thriller. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna let us make that, but if we call it Joker, we'll just make this movie and we'll just call it Joker. It has nothing to do with Joker, right? right. So it's like it was kind of them like this is the only way we can get the studio to give us this much money to make this movie. So if I think this is more without Batman, honestly, yeah. I think the King of comedy taxi driver is one of yeah. the dumbest movies I've seen. And the fact that he's, it's like, Oh, it's Batman. It's like, Oh, I'm not expecting the plot to make sense. Like that just covers over all this stuff that if it's trying to be a movie is like, what were you thinking? Right. But if the sequel is the same thing, like Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix want to make a big musical, but they right, can't right. get and it done like, unless they call it Joker. Joker okay. Like, then there's yeah, something it, kind okay, of. Okay, now I like it. As, if somebody is, is lying is... to the studios, then I like it more. That is okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I like that angle of it too. But the, but Joker, as translated into being like a Martin Martin Scorsese movie, like at least kind of makes some sense. Like the Joker is not a specially musical character, and especially since this is a sequel to a movie that was essentially Taxi Driver but worse, uh, how is it going to make sense? Uh, how is this going to make any sense at all? We didn't That's make much sense last time either. So yeah, I mean the first one ends with uh, like it was all a dream anyway, right? Like it's not. Oh, did it? Is that I mean, a lot of it was a dream? Well, well, I mean, that's okay. the, the whole thing with him. Well, the relationship the... with the woman was a dream, but the like him killing oh, a yeah. talk show host, I thought that was real. No, I mean, I think the Is ending of too? the movie, right? The ending when it cuts to him in the asylum and they ask, what are you thinking about? And he goes, uh, you wouldn't get it, right? It it's kind of implies that maybe nothing we saw oh, in the movie my until God. then. So they could do this forever. Real? They could just do a yeah. series of Joker dream movies yeah, with yeah, completely yeah. different genres and everything. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I does, think, okay, all right. I mean, that's I mean, stupid, but okay. Yeah, yeah I'm not excited stupid. for it. I do hope the second time around. I think the biggest problem with Joker was like outside of the movie, it was like it as like a cultural artifact, right? I thought on and on both sides, everyone was an asshole about it. You know, people in the press being like, "This is gonna inspire killings, and it's gonna be the worst thing that's ever been released." And other people who are big fans saying it's like the greatest cinema of all time. Right. Everyone talking all conversations about the Joker sucked. None of them were good. No one had a good take on it. There was nothing interesting to say. It's a completely vapid. Because the truth was, it was just like a mediocre movie. I mean, somebody could say somebody could be like, oh, I like this because of X, Y, Z. And I'd be like, "Okay, that sounds believable. And somebody could be like, I didn't really like this movie. And that's fine. That's like the range of takes. That were yeah. reasonable, but then it just got stretched to yeah, like the, the maximum. The window was way too yeah. wide. The maximum so, window for takes on if Joker. If we cannot do that again, if people can just be like, oh, well, I mean, it's kind of interesting, but I don't really want to see it. Or be like, oh, uh, 
I think Walking Phoenix will be great, and I love Lady Gaga, so I want to see. Yeah, and people can just kind of hang out in that middle area Hunter was just talking about. Yeah, that's because a good place the to be. last time around was so miserable for everyone involved. Yeah, every yeah, take yeah. on the Joker was so fucking annoying and over the top. And I mean, really, it was very Jokerish, you know, the way people <laughs> talked about it. Um, but if we could just kind of hang out in the middle, and I mean, look. We're living in a post-Morbius world. So who even knows what comic book movies are going to look like, point. you know? Okay, I mean, we're going to end on that. Joker came that. out pre-Morbius, you know? And I think that right. shows. You look at the movie, you can definitely tell. This was a movie that was not influenced by Morbius that's at all. That's why, you know what? Yeah. That's and, and if you think about the timing of this announcement, it had to have been that Todd Phillips saw Morbius and then yeah. kind of had a moment of there must be a Joker too. Because yeah. I have to comment on I Morbius. To, I have to ride the Morb wave mm -hmm. into this. Okay, well, this is a good ending. That was the news. We're going to come out and play the game here in a second. Stick around. I do want to take a second uh, before we play the game, actually, to tell you this, which is we got a comment on the YouTube from last week's episode from Prof Parm. Uh, who said, my favorite part about seeing these is that I previously assumed you used the stings to allow everyone to take a break and such and give yourself a good editing point. And mm. now I know there is no editing. And I yeah. <laughs> I am glad that that ruse was maintained as long as it was. Um, it is designed to have an edit point were we to edit. Mm -hmm. It's uh -huh. designed that in the future, if we were like bought out and you know serious fm xm wanted to like add ads to it or whatever but uh mostly just keep the pacing up and yeah and i'm definitely not editing most of the time i mean sometimes there are tech problems we have to edit it but generally no that's just i play music yeah. and we sit there and then we go on i mean wow. if you if you watch this you notice alex and this is something you talked about on the show you always gotta have something to do with your hands that's I just do. Kind of yeah, like yeah, yeah. one just of your things pen, as i usually and am Hitting sound cues is that for just a small that's second. True. Yeah, it yeah, gives you something to do with your hands. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's the fidget toy of audio. When I, I did a story on TikTok recently and somebody said, I love that you're just holding a pen because it feels like we're working together and you're just like office gossip. And I like that mm. a lot too. So if you're watching us on YouTube, which you can do by going to youtube.com slash Alex Falcone, you can see us as we do the show and you can see what color uh, Parker Jotter I'm spinning today. It's yellow. Um, okay, now it's time for segment two, the game. As you guys know, we're playing a years long movie watching, a year long movie watching game where we try to direct the movie, moving only Kevin Bacon style from one actor to a similar or same actor in a different movie. Um, I should practice this anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys get the the game by now. Kevin Bacon's exquisite corpse. Um, Hunter, as you guys uh -huh. may recall, last week. Um, <laughs> wait, nope. Go back. Kind as of you may, this. As I you sort recall, of we, Last this. week we watched yeah. Out of Sight, uh, picked by Ezra. And Hunter, what movie did you pick out of that? Just so keep I, it already refreshed. So I was going to pick, I was going to travel through Don Cheadle to you did, Rush you Hour 2. It. You picked Don Cheadle, who mm. was also in that movie, to go to Rush Hour 2. Mm -hmm. And then, um, because in doing so, you broke a non-binding agreement with Ezra, as well as his heart. Um, Ezra decided mm -hmm. to be vindictive with one of his power cards, and he played. Spaghetti Night! That's right. 
it's and then he had the audacity night. not to show up for the yeah, episode. And then he bailed. He didn't want to. Um, yeah, well, you, it turns out um, three hours is actually kind of a high, hard amount of time. Uh-huh. Um, but which we were talking about, and I was like, normally I hate long movies, but this is worth it. But then it was actually kind of a stretch to get it all watched. Yeah. And then Anthony wanted to postpone because he was having trouble watching it all. And Ezra didn't get a chance. And then his kid got sick anyway. Um, anyway, the point is, it's spaghetti night. And that means when you play the spaghetti night card, that means we have to immediately disregard the previous choice and pick a movie uh, directed by Sergio Leone. And so we're just enjoying some spaghetti. And instead so of that, one of his smaller, lesser known movies, yeah, you know, lesser known. To try to give some of his, you know, you know, lesser known films, like I said, a little bit of attention. So of yeah, light. we were able to do that here. So uh, Hunter picked a little movie called Il Buono, Il Brutto, Il Cattivo, uh, the 1966 Italian epic spaghetti western film directed by Sergio Leone, starring Clint Eastwood as Clint Eastwood as the good, Lee Van Cleef as the bad. And Eli Wallach as the ugly, but we agree he's cute too. Um, Tuco actually, Angel Eyes and the Man with No Name. I do want to say, Which, uh, I do want to ask this about Spaghetti Night really quick though. Is this racist? Uh, is calling it Spaghetti Night racist? Yeah, is this it, kind it, of a weird thing? I, you know, it's funny. I was gonna, I was gonna ask if Spaghetti Western is racist, and I think if Spaghetti Western is racist, well, that's then what I meant. Sorry, is Spaghetti Night. Western? Yeah, no. is that racist? No, I don't think so. One, I think that's kind of like I I, I don't think it is. I'm I think Google. there's a long history right there. I think um the Italians invented fascism so they can't really call racism out. Um Well, it, it is interesting because, you know, Italians in America obviously dealt with a lot of racism for a long period of time and then don't as much now, and so it's weird to under it's like there's a big yeah. cultural context. I wonder if in the 60s during that sort of transition whether it was more of an insult than it is now. And like, I feel like, I mean, like, I I like spaghetti. I like Italian food. I am Italian. I feel like I, I, when I say it, I don't mean it bad. I mean, like, we do love spaghetti. But I, but in other racial contexts, that would be weird if you named a genre after a food that is common in the country of origin of the director. This gets weird fast. Sure. Um, Uh, So. which I'm not going to brainstorm. You can fill in your own yeah. blanks at home with a racist version of that. I'm not going to say them. Well, but, since yeah. we're on this point, uh, let me say something racist about the Italian people. Real fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things Look, I love the about this movie, too, and I feel very yeah. bad about that. Yeah, no, let me say something about uh, this. One of my favorite things about this movie. <laughs> Only a film shot in Italy, made by Italian people, with the cast from all over the world, but from filmed by Italian production companies would you ever call clint eastwood a blonde you know what i mean <laughs> he's not blonde at all but if you are a bunch of people with jet black hair sure. and all yeah. skin he's the he's blondest blondie. person they probably have ever met but if he's a blonde all three of us are blondes yeah that's true I will say, if you're if you're curious, according to Quora, is the term spaghetti western racist? The number one answer with twelve upvotes is yes. The number two answer with two upvotes is no. I think, I think it would be so. 
is it wasn't it known at the time that like wasn't it kind of looked down upon shooting films in like Italy though in America? Yeah. Wasn't it sort of considered like if you were an actor and you went and did that, it was like kind it of like a, it. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe until they kind of took off and became its own thing. But like the Italian film industry, we've all we talked about it when we did like the Jallo stuff. Like the Italian film industry yeah. has a very specific way of shooting movies, right? Yeah. Like it's they're not the recording yeah. any audio <laughs> on the set. The audio right. is so, they have, so they have weird. The best way yeah. of making yeah. movies. I mean, there are things about it that are so brilliant, but it's hard to watch this and be like technical marvel, where it's like none of the words line up with the mouths at any point. I mean, this movie does in terms butt. of like the scale. There is some really really impressive stuff. There is, I know, and it's just like. But, it's like, yeah, there's some brilliant. The cinematography is so incredible in this movie. It's completely, incredible. and then to yeah. match that with like, we didn't hire a sound person is just such a bizarre. Well, this is the- how they did it. This is how they did it. Alex. <laughs> I know. It's this just is so how weird. they did it. Like it's the not- thing is, though, it's it's like it's it's how you kind of look at it. Because if you look, if you just focus on the voices, it's a little weird. But if you take a step back and think about every sound was applied to this so every noise every footstep every foley any movement all this stuff that would normally be captured on set every single one of those had to be manually recorded and added to this movie and if you step back and look at it that way the lip syncing still looks silly but it is like wild to think this about especially just like room noise background stuff all the like explosions battle sequences there were huge battles with like hundreds of people running towards yeah. each other and just the amount of foley someone had to do for every single scene in this movie that's pretty wild to think about it, it kind of makes it, it impressive, impressive. You know? yeah it definitely is um i will just to continue to add to this discussion a little bit if you google is spaghetti western a racist term like and, and I'm doing this in a, incognito to double check that it's not just me mm-hmm. and it's it's not the fifth result is friend of the show Nevin Mergen's tweeting spaghetti western is a racist term puts on shades walks slowly out of the room as an ex- argument explodes behind him so mm-hmm. uh, Nevin is on the side of yes and he is one yeah. of the authoritative voices mm-hmm. on this subject it seems like it would be because like it's it's like a genre film and then I think as we were experiencing I, I, I'm actually being kind of American centric too I'm assuming we came up with this term. Uh, but well, that we would come up with it basically saying like as a way to to kind of you know side eye it a little bit it's mm, not yeah. like yeah, we yeah, do yeah. this with any other genre of film or country of origin for film well, i mean there's also I mean, you we know, obviously would and just... probably have but we don't continue well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't it's, heard it as often it's, recently it's not sticking around you yeah, know yeah but there is like like there's there's more to like a spaghetti western than just like being filmed by an Italian film crew in like Spain or whatever, right? That like the spaghetti Western tropes are different than the American Western tropes. Oh, yeah. Totally, time, right? Like spaghetti Westerns, like there were. I'm sure, we'll sure we'll get into this, especially with a little spiel later. But like the idea of like revisionist Westerns as like its own subgenre of yeah. Western, right? And it's like there were things you couldn't do in American film because of the Hayes Code and stuff like that. Um, and the the um, classic American Western, right? It's like, it's a very, it's like American Westerns, cla- con- like traditional classic American Westerns have much to do, as much to do with like 
the actual American Wild West as like Lord of the Rings has to do with the Middle Ages of Europe, right? right. Like it's they're so far from what it was actually like and the types of stories they tell and like the the clear mythology of white hats, black hats, yeah. the noble savage races, the way men, the masculinity is treated, right? All this stuff that is like is what American Westerns were built on and like spaghetti Westerns because they didn't have to follow the Hays codes and would be made by more subversive directors who are actively like trying to tear down and destroy and like comment on the American Western, which is always like, you know, good heroes are strong men who never make mistakes and only kill bad guys. And you know, all that stuff that comes with the classical Western, you know? So there is more than just it being filmed in Italy that makes it like a spaghetti Western, a spaghetti Western. Oh, totally. You know what I mean? hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. It's, it's, there's no, I mean, besides the camera, which is doing a marvelous thing, basically constantly in this movie, it doesn't romanticize really at all. It's, it's very punk rock in that way. It's very just like, look at this kind of disgusting place. And I mean, is there any good people in this movie? Does anyone have a good heart in this movie at all at any point? I yeah. feel like not really. There's a priest who gets in a fist fight. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah, it's yeah. not really. It's <laughs> not a not a lot of good. So maybe that's why he's called the good because it's like, well, it's all relative. Just it's, like it's the ugly, all is like ugly next yeah. to those two in guys. In this world, he is good because he he yeah. does give that that dying soldier his coat. That's yeah. the only yeah. good thing that he that's does. True. He, he does, does that. that. And that's um, after he's been an asshole for about an hour. So <laughs> okay, well, so I I did want to get that get some information. I hadn't really thought about that. I do, um, as a whatever like fifth generation Italian American, do not feel like uh, I've dealt with a lot of oppression for this topic. So I don't feel like I'm allowed to say whether or not that sounds racist to me. In general, I do prefer a thin spaghetti western. I just think it it lands a little better. Every once in a while, I like a bucatini western. Get that. It's the inverse of spaghetti. It's a donut hole of spaghetti. Um, anyway. Uh, okay. So this week we watched Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Let me summarize in case you haven't seen it. And I'm going to do this. Even though this movie is 19 hours long, I'm going to summarize in just five points. Because I, I think there's long periods of time where people are just standing there looking at each other. And I'm going to kind of yeah. cut through those yeah. real quick. Okay. So the bad man has got his great little mustache and he's out doing his murders um, as is his want because he's bad. And when, when he no, finds he's out... he's a hit man. Come on, he's a hit man. He kills people yeah. for money. He kills people and for money. What? He's not oh, just he gets paid. Them for money. And sometimes he kills people for... Okay, so this is still the first half of a sentence, the first clause of the first sentence, but we, yeah, can, yeah. we can derail a little bit. He lives by a code, which is if you pay him to kill somebody, he will do that. But yeah. also, if you give him a dollar, he'll just take that as implied that you meant to kill his boss and then just kill his boss. Like, he's like such a stickler for contracts, but killing his boss was on an assumed... He made up that contract. That was not a real hit. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's true. But it's it's like a lawyer. You know, like if you're committing a crime in front of a lawyer, they tell you to put a dollar in their pocket because <laughs> then, like, it's protected. Right, you right, know? right. Right, it's yeah, this, kind is, of thing. this is it's classic like, hitman client privilege. You're saying, yeah, you give me money, I have to do it. I have, I have to I kill have, a person. You know that, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so that's his thing. He's a he's a hitman, and uh, he is out is doing. Angelize. He's out doing hits. Yeah, he's named Angelize, even though his eyes are fine, and he really should be Angel Stash. Anyway, like that's the better feature. 
Um, but anyway, so he's out doing his hits. When he hears a story, he comes to find out about a tale, a yarn about a box of money that the Confederates hid away as they're about to lose a war. Meanwhile, the good and the ugly are just buddies doing little scams on police officers, which seems fine. And no one gets hurt despite repeated attempts at hanging. The good well, and the I mean, ugly. You got to buy a new hat because when someone you shoots do- your hat off, it does fit a hole straight through it. I don't understand the physics of shooting a hat off at all. I thought maybe it was hitting the uh, brim at such an angle. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm not quite clear on how you can shoot someone in the face and then the, only the hat comes off. Um, there, this is the thing about the violence of these movies. This is an incredibly violent movie with no blood at all. This is one of those where like people are like like stuffed animals, where you like shoot them and then they like Whoop. oh well. Yeah, and there's no. Yeah, it's called a Chris Nolan movie. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's it the is, same way he makes movies. There's now. a lot of movies that do this, which is actually is, um, I was just talking to another friend of the show about this for his he's doing a thesis in a film um, school. But he was talking about bloodless violence as like one of the things about film that like is actually kind of dangerous. It's not glorifying the yeah. violence, but making it seem fun and easy. And like there's no cleanup afterwards. Costless violence. Yeah, costless. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's the. And there's a lot of that in this. I mean, it's it's like real chill when people yeah. shoot each other in the heads. Anyway, they're doing this thing, though, where you like it's like, oh, I'll let you get hung and then I will shoot with a rifle the the rope. And um, man, you got to be right. A hundred percent of the time for that scam to yeah. work that mm-hmm. this is I a mean, high risk, uh, high risk. game. What's his game, name? Shorty or whatever finds out the hard way. Oh, uh, right. That's the true. other yeah. guy he runs the con with. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, it's actually pretty low stakes for him, I guess. Um, which is actually the argument that they get in. So the good and the ugly get in a fight over who is like deserves more than half because one of them is taking more of a risk, but the other one is like um, more helpful. Anyway, and it, it turns into them um, almost but not quite murdering each other, which is a theme. If you're going to kill someone, uh, don't just take them for a walk and hope the the Lord will do it. You got to like go for it all the way because it might come back to haunt you. So they go back and forth trying to murder each other in the middle of which they discover ha- each get half of the location of the hidden money box from the Confederates. Now we got three men who all are interested in getting the same cash box. Also, there's a civil war going on, um, which I don't know. It was I, I didn't realize the civil war got that far west and south i guess that was kind of an interesting thing about this and maybe it didn't i don't I didn't think actually look he, it up. they uh they worry too much about the actual logistics yeah they probably like, did not. of course this is happening in italy so who knows but they um yeah. anyway, there's a civil war going on and so the good and the ugly they dress up as the bad guys because they want to go find a bad guy's money and then they uh are immediately captured by the good guys who look like bad guys because it was dusty out which seems like great a, bit. Great it's a very bit. good bit it's funny uh um, mm-hmm. does seem like maybe could have gotten them killed in a friendly fire accident very easily. They probably should have been a little more careful about not making their coats look like the other team's coats. Um, anyway, and then they go to jail and they're in the jail and they find out guess, guess who's guess who has taken a break from being a hitman and gone through the application and promotion process and worked his way up to head of the jail that he's in. That's right. It's the bad uh, baddie is there and he um, tortures half the information out of the ugly guy. And then Let's him go slash tells him to be killed, um, which might come back to haunt him later. Right. And then he teams up with the good guy. Now they each have half and they're going to go find the cash box. Uh, Meanwhile, 
no after that good enough meanwhile the bad guy uh or the ugly is like uh, goes on a train and is like what if i don't get killed so he doesn't get killed and then the it, it is starting to get long this was only five points but i'm bored already anyway they go through a bunch of trauma stuff and they're like oh are we still friends maybe do we and so they team up to go fight against the bad guy and they end up in a circle and they Anyway, the bad guy dies. It's fine. And then they they blow up a bridge. There's some mild double crosses. There's this the showdown. They and then they get each a hundred thousand dollars in the 1860s, which is insane. There's two people who don't own a house. Like they're just mm-hmm. riding on a horse. They're homeless. They there's no way either of these two guys doesn't immediately blow it. Like this is the odds of them enjoying any of this money is so, so low, but that's all that's an accident. Well, Tuco seems like he's going to have a really good 72 hours <laughs> and then everything's going to fall off. But those 72 hours are going to be going to be fucking he is, he is going to burn bright and burn out fast for yeah, sure. Blondie, on the other hand, I know I don't know what he's going to do with that money. It's not um, like it's not like 100. I mean, even 100 grand in bills would be hard to hide. But in coins mm-hmm. like you just look like you have cash bags on your horse. Right. Mm. Well, he's probably going to go bury it somewhere, right? I mean, right. He's he's gonna, undug, he dug it up. So he's going to bury it. And he, well, so he's he's going to have bury a dollar in his pocket. He he's just like, peri- yeah. Periodically, he'll go have another showdown, dig it back up, put another dollar in his pocket. I mean, it's yeah. just both of these guys are unbanked is what I'm saying. It's not going to be a good financial mm. situation. And it's They're just off the grid. These guys it's too They're much not on money. The grid. Do you guys do. You, but do you ever feel that with somebody doing a crime where you're like, this is too much money for you. You should, you should rob a hundred dollars. That would be right. a gun and a, and an outfit and a new hat and mm-hmm. all of the cartridges mm-hmm. costs a buck 50. You do not need a hundred grand today. Right. Yeah, I mean, the whole but, contents of a store was less than a hundred dollars. Like, you do not need. What are you going to do? You're not going to buy California. What are you doing? <laughs> Maybe that's what happens in this world. Yeah. Is Blondie buys California, <laughs> just the whole all of California. The man with no name, Mister California. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in real life, he was a mayor in California, yeah. so it's not you know that's not true, that yeah. wild. Of, of of caramel by the sea. I don't know how to actually say but it. You get it's, it. It's kind of cool to have done this because I was I was thinking about this last night when I was watching this. But between the Odessa step sequence and Battleship Potemkins and the whole final act of this movie, yeah, have we done probably the two most influential and famous? examples of film editing in movie history like there's i'm sure there's i'm sure there's a lot more other great examples yeah yeah but especially like the final showdown in this movie the way it's edited is stolen and homaged so much it's probably one of the most copied sequences in movie history yeah Uh, battleship potinkin again like you know yeah. Even this wouldn't exist without that. But everything from the second uh, Tuco runs into the graveyard and um, I love the I just love that, when Tuco's running in the graveyard. Yeah, I mean, that piece of like, music, the yeah, that ex- is really good. Ecstasy so of Gold is like one of the greatest pieces of music ever written for a film. Mm-hmm. Um, but like everything is, is about that. that the, is that the one when he's running, or is that the sting yes. that they play? No, that's the one when he's running at the end. Because I will say Tuco's that one running. musical sting is so good. And they might have played it too many times. I think there was like, you're like in the 900 times they've gone, wah, wah, wah. And I was like, yeah, I get it. I don't know. You're, I loved it the first 800 times, and now I'm a little tired of it. Yeah. This is the first time I watched this movie without stopping halfway through. Like oh, artificially just stopping. And I yeah. kind of wish I had, to be honest. It's pretty long. 
I watched and you can it see one. why it's three hours long. There's a scene where we watch him eat soup and bread in real time, an entire meal. And it looks awesome. It's a very good depiction of bread and soup. And I'm I'm into it. It was more vegetable head forward than I would have expected for a soup of the time. I would have expected mm-hmm. more like beans and a little meat, maybe. But he gets a whole anyway. But we watch in real time him eat a full meal before he murders that guy, and it's not important for the rest of the movie. Like, well, it is. It, it's, 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 it's an insight, but like, you, like the piece of information. It's not like that guy is important. Like, it, like the soup comes back. It's like we just. I mean, how? Him. Okay, okay, okay. How important even is the story? Like, I mean, is good, the bad, and the ugly not maybe the ultimate like example of just like maybe a movie doesn't have to have a very good story to be an amazing movie. Maybe all you need are characters and theme. And situations, you know, musical yeah, sting, I mean, I mean, wide at, shots of the American Southwest. I mean, yeah, like at, what is this movie even about? I mean, it's I mean, it's well, it is about a lot of things emotionally, yeah. but as far as the story, what happens? I mean, it's you just summarized it. Three guys chasing a MacGuffin is what it is. Look at the other, the other movies that kind of fit into this m- template, right? Like the Mad Max films are a great example. Yeah, there's like Mad Max is very, very similar to the Man with No Name. Like, there's literally like a. a direct inspiration to one of them but like these are like mythic storytelling right yeah. they're not yeah. like good and bad and ugly is not supposed to feel like something that actually happens it's supposed to feel like a story that is passed down and told right yeah. like it is the, the odyssey by homer is not like a really great plot it's like right. yes. he's trying to get home yeah. and he makes a lot of stops along the way and that's really what this is is like the the good and the ugly are just like we put on these coats and now we're in jail and in the army and like that was it's not it's just like we just do this thing and now we're here and we do this thing and then we're here and we do this thing and then we're here yeah. and then eventually we end up in the right place yeah it's yeah, a, it's, it's an just, odyssey story that they're going on for sure it does have that like real um mythic quality to it epic quality yeah yeah it's i'm epic. not i i I'm, I'm not i'm joking i do love the soup and bread scene and it is really this mm. movie is so cool looking but in terms of like why it's long it's because there's a lot mm. of patience, even when the scene doesn't matter that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just the the tension of a murderer eating soup, you know, I is mean, just like really strong. The thing about that scene, can I just say real fast? Is there anything scarier than someone using a big ass knife and eating off it? Like when he goes to cut the guy's bread and he has this mm-hmm. knife and he's like, has the piece of bread on the knife. So very, very spooky. It is. Very well, it's no, I'm, I'm appreciating you saying that because I also feel like. If a person is eating an apple with a big ass knife, he he means you no harm and he has wisdom untold. You know, like that guy knows a lot of stuff. Mm. But doing it on bread, this time I was like, oh yeah. It, it reminds me of the scene in Pulp Fiction where he drinks the milkshake too long, where Sam Jackson finishes the milkshake. Yeah. There's just a way where you eat somebody's food without respect that is like, <laughs> oh shit, this man's gonna kill me. Mm. Like he took more than his share of soup and my kids haven't eaten yet. He's going to shoot me after this. There's no way out yeah. of it. Yeah, and I mean, before that, he just silently walks to this place from a long ways away, and a it very takes long forever. way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 spooky as heck. It's probably one of the spookiest character introductions in in any yeah. movie I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, yeah. It, we, again, very good, very good, but uh, not speedy, <laughs> not in a hurry uh-huh. to get someplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I. I, th- I think that character introduction is brilliant. And I do, and the game that the good and the ugly are playing is excellent. I do not understand 
the double cross like into like like what was his what was blondie's plan where he was like oh i'm just gonna try to kill this guy and then just stay at a hotel nearby and wait for him to shoot me well i mean he tracked him for days or weeks or months right it was like a long time very far you're on a horse it's like where he's not gonna go to new york it's like he's gonna be in the neighborhood i mean it was he just seemed like he seemed like really fine with getting killed uh Definitely, like, not asking for it, but definitely, like, like his motto, even though they call him the good, he was really the embodiment of, I'd rather be lucky than good. Because he reliably, the whole time he's getting walked across, the, marched across the desert, I'm like, he's probably got a plan. Nope, no plan. He was just nope. going to die that way, and then happens upon this information, and then stays alive. So... Just really, I mean, it is, no plan at all for that guy. Just to really yeah. chill about the future for how talented he is. Yeah, like you said, it's all there in service of like really great character moments and to have like this sort of like long journey. I mean, like, even though that's the that, that, but I agree sense, with it. But like Tuco's reaction, like his change in tone from like like kicking over the water that he's like washing his feet in to being like body my good friend i love you so much yeah you, i need you to ha- i need you i need you with me please like it's just it's so delightful and then and um, then yeah i have no family you're my only family and the next scene is like oh uh this is my brother yeah i mean i do love that the when they're driving away and he's talking about how much his brother loves him and yeah. you know blondie is that's like yeah all right whatever like he doesn't call him on it, doesn't say anything about it. It's like unspoken, but it is just like it pits in perspective like everything that Tuco kind of I mean, says. I think this really is about. actually emblematic of a thing that most of us know, which is the ugly had to have the most personality. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just yeah, how yeah. it works. Of course. He's I not, he's not hot. Being he's, ugly. Had to, yeah. he's had to cultivate interests and hobbies. Hot people don't even have to talk. They just look. Yeah. Yeah, Just yeah. Look Clint Eastwood does not have a lot of personality, but no. yeah, he's in the all personality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, I, I forget about the other two when I'm watching the movie. I'm just like, I guess this movie is just about this one guy. Yeah, Luca. about about this character actor um, who, incidentally, is not not Mexican-American in de- right. descent. So, uh, yep. Not at all. Just just a just a white guy playing that character, playing yep. Tuco. Mm-hmm. Um the other thing, the other character that was like the funniest character to me is the store owner that Tuco robs, mm-hmm. where Tuco walks in looking a little bit like a bandit and is like, um, put a gun on the table. And the store owner's like, ugh, I closed it for, but here is a firearm. And then he's like, <laughs> okay, but put bullets in it. And he's like, ugh, I'd like to go home, but sure, bandit, have a gun and bullets. And he's like, also give me all these clothes. Uh, and then the and then the guy seems surprised when he gets robbed. Like you yeah. just gave a bandit a gun for free, right? I mean, right. He lets him keep the alcohol, which is very nice. He does. He gives uh, him the booze yeah. bag. But it's I was just, not the man. most cautious. Like for a time where where it, every the whole world was so dangerous, I feel like not a very cautious man. That store owner. Well, I mean, I love that it's like a a guy who is like so obviously being pit upon like Tugo never actually has to come out and say that he's robbing him. Right. He doesn't. It's just it's just implied. The shopping is like, yeah, I know what's going on. When he's like, <laughs> how much money? Twenty dollars? No, 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 no. It's like, oh yeah, you mean how much money do I have? Okay, <laughs> how yeah. much money am I going to lose yeah. in this robbery? Sure. Okay, it's hundred dollars. Uh, great, great scene. Yeah, all yeah. those little sequences in this movie are so great. All these like little characters they come across. The really drunk captain is very, very funny. The yeah. 
like prison band of Confederate soldiers who are like they're in prison, but they still get to like have a jam session every day during torture time. During torture time, it's yeah, very funny. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned Anthony. We're gonna talk more about this in a second in the in the third segment when we're picking our next movie. But you mentioned that Clint Eastwood made a movie, sort of apologizing for all of his time here. So what what is the thing about? Maybe this is obvious and I should know. But just like what specifically is the thing that Clint Eastwood felt bad about for these characters? Well, it's not that he necessarily felt bad. So what I'm talking about is for what movie we should do next. And I suggested we should do Unforgiven. Mm -hmm. Unforgiven is a masterpiece. It is one of it's probably the most famous and influential revisionist Western ever made. It is uh, Clint Eastwood made it in like 1993, 1994. Um, But it is. Clint Eastwood as a much older man trying to make a movie that is, like I said, not necessarily apologizing, but trying to sort of make up for the fact that he made sort of what we were talking about earlier with costless violence. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stuff that glorifies the American West. I mean, mm-hmm. less so like the like the spaghetti Western movies certainly do have a revisionist take in sort of how they sort of address the West and it's how they paint it. It's not like, you know, the clear white hat, black hat that you get with American Western, but you know, the violence is still cheap. Um, it's fast. Life is completely right. expendable. Um, you don't really think about these things. And then, I want to cut in on this point specifically yeah. and say more like what they're doing, uh, what like Sergio Leone is doing or, and all the Italian directors working, uh, on uh, on these westerns it's like it's like a satire thing uh to me it's like they're sort of like deconstructing or making fun of or being like it wouldn't really be like this and they're thinking about john wayne a lot you know what i mean yeah uh, and that's something that i feel like is kind of lost on us when we watch this movie because westerns were not important in our culture while we've been alive you right. know what i mean so yeah. so we didn't grow up watching john wayne who's supposedly this you know, very good moral guy, uh, even though he's he's crazy racist and in all these crazy racist movies. Um, and then watch, you know, these brutal, like dark movies where there really are no heroes. Um, and so, I feel like that's kind of so lost is, on us. Is, is, okay, this is so dumb, and I probably should have done some reading beforehand. So is calling him the good meant to be sort of self-aware that he's not actually good yeah yeah Th- he's, there is an he's awareness good that... but we know that he's not good he's just like hmm. he's good fun. by like the standards of this fucked up world right right, right. okay okay that makes sense and again like i said if you look at the movie as like in line with like the other titles in the trilogy right fist four dollars for a few more dollars um good bad and the ugly right those are titles that are about like the life of the West more than they are about like the characters or what they go through. Right. It's like fistful of dollars is like a, a provocative idea of like what the desperate struggle for money is. This in the same way is like, it's, it's a massive Epic called the good, bad and the ugly. It's the good, the bad and the ugly of the wild West of this time. Right. And it's like, that's why it has a bit of everything. It has like a bit of like, right, highs, it's most, a bit mostly of lows. bad and ugly. Yeah, like that's yeah, what's yeah. being emphasized but Even here. the good is well, like them running a con when one of them could die. Right. Like that's like right. Right. The or good the good is blowing up a bridge in the middle of the civil war. Um, yeah. Or I will say, I like, I, I don't feel a lot of coolness from anything that they are doing. I do not find shooting this rope particularly cool. 
But the way the bad leans on the doorframe in that shot when we first are meeting him before he eats soup, it's pretty fucking cool, you guys. That's pretty cool. It's He's pretty cool. There are yeah. some very cool leans in Westerns. Ooh, yeah. That's like one of the things that is the most attractive to me of this lifestyle. I, I cannot watch a Western without thinking of just how dirty and smelly they are all the time, which does take away some of their cool factors. Um, but a good lean, I like. Um, but yeah, so kind of go back to Unforgiven, which yeah. is Clint Eastwood. You know, he made a bunch, he sewed in a bunch of Westerns and uh, action movies when he was young. He started directing his first movie he ever directed is his movie called High Plains Drifter, which you've never seen it. It's pretty good. It's definitely very, very dark, sort of um, mean spirited. He's kind of playing the same character. He's also a man with no name who rolls into a town and gets into stuff. But mm-hmm. he's directed a bunch of other movies to then, and he never wanted to come back to a Western unless he had sort of like something he wanted to say or do with it. And so Unforgiven is a story of Clint Eastwood. He's a much older guy who used to be kind of like a young gunslinger, but he's retired, and he kind of gets pulled back into that life. It's sort of like that classic sort of Western trope. But it is, it's done in a way that is not like sentimental or glorifying. It's an incredibly brutal movie, but not in a way that feels like gratuitous or like it's celebrating this kind of stuff. It's really about like the actual effects of violence and sort of how unfair and cruel and chaotic violence is, especially Mm -hmm. like the unfair part. That's a huge part of the movie that it's, the just and the unjust alike. There is no like right. sense or reason. Good guys don't always win. Bad guys don't always lose. It's sort of that type of movie. Right. Um, Gene Hackman gives one of the greatest performances uh, of his incredible career in the movie. Morgan Freeman's awesome in it. Clint Eastwood's really, really great. Um, won a bunch of Oscars. It is of, you know, the Western in Earth Lifetime. It's kind of weird. Like every... 10 15 years we get like five or six big westerns and then it immediately peters out right so like growing up i feel like in my lifetime i've seen incredible incredible westerns Mm. for a genre that no one does anymore it keeps popping up and is usually Mm. done very well and i maybe it's just like i'm only hearing about the ones that are good or i'm only um or they're only making ones that are pretty good because it's a stupid genre to make a movie in now. But I've seen a lot of, I feel like a lot of really good Westerns. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, like, the Western is also, like, like, No Country for Old Men is a Western, right? Just because right, right, it right. takes place in 1980s doesn't yeah, mean it's yeah. not a Western. Yeah, it uh, is like, um, Baby Yoda is a Western. Yeah, Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. Mandalorian, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, there is, like, a Why lot of... name it after that character when it's really a show <laughs> about Baby Yoda? Do you think um, they should have just named it Baby Yoda? Do yeah, you think that's Baby why Yoda. they should have named it? If it was called Bucket Hat and Space Baby, I would watch that. But just if you Whoa. just if you called it Baby Yoda, I feel like I mean, this is the only reason I watched. I don't care about a mm. Star Wars show now, but everyone was like, oh, look at this baby. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'll watch a show with a baby. Bucket in it. Hat and Space Yoda yeah. actually would be a really good title. Yeah, right. good name for a band, yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Unforgiven, I think, is a very good companion piece to especially a film like this it's really really well made i'm a big fan of it i haven't seen it in a long time uh, i've been really wanting to revisit it anyway um i think clint eastwood is 
for all intents and purposes, kind of a piece of shit. But he's a very fascinating director when you look at his film. The fact that he's still making movies, still serving in the movies. It's all these great stories about the way he makes movies. You know, like um, he's famous for doing like three or four takes. And even if the actors want to do more, he goes, no, I'm good. We're moving on. Um, Famously, he doesn't say action. Because when he started making movies, he made a lot of westerns. And when you scream action, that startles the horses. So he never got in the habit of saying action. So so a lot of time he just goes, just whenever you're ready, is what he usually says. Um, I I mean, I feel like now, presumably, like with since it's so much easier to have an infinite amount of film, you would just be like, well, we've been rolling for a while. So, yeah, just start whenever. Yeah, um, I mean that's and he's still, he still makes movies like that. Like he, it's crazy how prolific he is for such an old guy. He still comes out with like a movie every other year. Um, most of them aren't good, but every once in a while he makes a banger. Um, okay, and- so I'm interested. In, I do. I, I want to talk about that a little bit more in segment three. We're gonna wrap this up, but I, I guess I do feel like I've been complaining for a little bit that in our list of movies we've watched for this season, especially, it's been like the most macho bullshit we've ever watched on the show. And admittedly, there's four dudes picking movies. It's a risk. But it's interesting because I feel like knowing all four of us on at various levels, personal, personality-wise, none of us are interested in macho shit. Like, none of us are macho dudes. Yeah. And so it is weird, especially with something like this that is, like, pure machismo. How do we keep doing this? Why do we keep watching? Why do well, we keep cinema, being drawn to? Cinema is kind of macho. Like be honest like classic cinema kind of has a macho lane um especially the further back Mm. you go and because of the because of how this game works it's really easy for us to get caught in like a series of things that are closely related i mean that's literally how the game works well Mm. yeah we did not we did not watch princess diaries and then get into like a mandy moore kick or whatever we didn't we didn't I think, well, so maybe part of it then is also well, just chosen movies because we're directing towards those as well. Also but. a little, a little cautious about, I, I do think some of our movies definitely fall into that, but I do think that, um, there is a, a, um, kind of a, a, a reading that it's like, well, not machismo means we're doing like Mandy Moore films, which are like critically reviled and are not good movies, right? Like there is like we're doing like that, like if but it's like there are like like a lot of these movies, like stuff like you know like Michael Clayton or Out of Sight or anything like stuff like that, or like I guess that they have like male leads, but I wouldn't really say they're like super mod. It's not like we're talking about like joker and like fight club and, and we like, did talk about joker and we have that, and we yeah. have done fight club just not this season but yeah but I that's just, what i mean we're not doing that stuff this we're well, not no, doing like, like you but know like we we do predator have predator and stuff like that right now you know like no that's i do think we have true. a fairly fairly wide swath of movies i do think it would be nice if we got sort of more genre stuff but i don't think this is as heavy as your sort of implying I mean, it, it is well so okay so if we were to add up the actors above the fold in these 19 movies there's like four women so yeah. i do <laughs> think there's just a lack of women acting in the movies that we're talking about but also there is like a, even in like our in our top five you know the third man and edge of tomorrow both have a lot to do with men committing crimes and trying to seem cool um men doing there's a lot of shooting going on here 
Um, I like Batman is about a, like a macho idiot rich guy fighting a macho idiot crazy guy. Mm-hmm. Like there is just like there is more. There's just more testosterone in this list than yeah. I watch on a normal basis, and it is just kind of interesting that that's happened. And yeah, I just I just wanted to say like I don't think that no, like you, if a good, you're a, a good point. woman who likes the third man, that doesn't mean you're a macho, right? Like women no, no, can no, like no, the but, third man just as much and find stuff in it that I, I mean, think. I guess like, I, well, okay, so know. let's let's jump into that now. So let's actually look at our master movie list. This is uh, uh, as you know, we are ranking all of our movies in order uh, yeah. of the best yeah. films of all time of season five. Um, this is our twentieth movie of the season. Shouldn't we have 21? It's episode 21. Did we skip a movie? What's going on? Anyway, well, we did uh, Drive My Co. Oh, right. Yeah, we did an episode that, that was not on this list. That didn't count. Right, right. Good, good. This which 20- should be very high up on the list. If it, it would be count. if it was right. a movie from the game, but it's not. So the master quality list, mm. um, where do we rank the good, the bad, and the ugly? That's tough. Yeah. How do you... Is it? Why is it tough, Hunter? Uh, just because it's like, I don't know. We got a lot of stuff towards the top, and I... I it's weird. I think this movie is really great. It's obviously a really important movie, but it's not my favorite Leone film. Uh, what is your favorite Leone film? Once Upon a Time in the West. That yeah, was we talked about really, last. Oh, week yeah, we did talk about that. That's what really, I like really about good. that movie better than this movie is this movie does feel like it's just about a bunch of punk ass dudes that just have their punk ass mm-hmm. thing they want to do. Um, and then like this, the cinematography and the score makes it feel so much bigger than it is. Whereas, like, Once Upon a Time in the West actually has, like, regular people in it that have, like, r- like real, more closer, r- like, relatable problems than yeah. just, like, looking for $200,000 uh, in old yeah. bills back in the day. Yeah, yeah, just looking for money from the Confederacy. Like, yeah, that's a good description mm. of it. I, I really do. I did, you know, I did enjoy it. It's beautiful. It's really cool in parts. Um, but, yeah, it is a bunch of punk-ass dudes. Like, what a... Yeah. What a bunch just of assholes. A, they're just a it's, bunch it's of a punk ass little asshole boys. No, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West is a very heavy movie about is, like yeah. about like the cost of violence and yeah. the cyclical nature of it and stuff like that. This is like, I think more especially adult. because, yeah, he's made, this is like the third one with like this cast and crew and they're just kind of like having fun and cooking mm-hmm. at this point, you know, like it's a very different movie. Well, so Ezra did not watch the, watch the movie, but has ranked it fourth, um, specifically ahead of Apollo 13 and Batman. Hunter, with that said, where do you rank can it on he, our list of the best movies of all time? Can you give us the five? top five? Currently, top five are The Third Man at number one, followed by Edge of Tomorrow, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Batman. God, this list is like impossible. Um, yeah, I, this doesn't seem that hard to me. I'm, I'm interested in where you're going to land from this, but because well, I, so I, I am getting to a point where I'm actually starting to regret our very early moves of putting edge of tomorrow. So high. Um, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I'm just kind of tired of it. Uh, but it was, but it was, there were only like four movies at the time. So really the weird thing is that you haven't put anything above it since then. Well, see, I mean, I've voted many times to put something above it. I, I, I just feel like I've been outvoted. So even though, I feel like I don't like it as much as Eternal Sunshine. No, do I like it better than I like? It's more important than Eternal Sunshine, that's for sure. I'm mm-hmm. gonna say number two. I'm gonna put it at number two. Whoa, okay. After all of that, after all that, but all it's right. more of a meta reason, less of a. That's how I feel about the movie. 
You know, you're starting to game it. This is a big concern with this list making strategy. Anthony, where do you put it? This list needs to look more like something that I can understand, and it just doesn't anymore. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, but that's because this is not the ranking of Hunter's favorite movie. Yeah, oh, I know. This is the best movies of all time of season five in order. This is the collective wisdom of the four of us. Of course, I understand that. I'm more just like, yeah, I'm just like, whatever, number two. I think you guys are all being weird. The list is perfect. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm Uh, I'm agreeing with you, Anthony. The list is perfect. A lot of great fucking movies on this list. They gotta fall somewhere. Yeah. Um, But I... So I'm a little conflicted. So I saw this movie. I recently got a... um, an early Christmas present, uh, which allowed me to watch this in 4K last night. So I watched Ooh, the movie in 4K, whoa. and it put my fucking hair back. It was uh, like a it was like a 4K re, uh, remaster from like last year. Like it just happened. Yeah. So I got to see it in 4K. Damn. It was really really pretty. So I'm a little bit more hyped on this movie than I would normally be because Wait, really getting to see hold it. Hold on a second. Why is this called an early Christmas present? Early birthday present is what oh, I meant. That makes to more say. sense. I was going to say you're, you're month, just yeah. as close to last Christmas as you are yeah. this next one. Um, but so I watched this in 4K. It was really, really good. Very, very pretty movie, uh, especially because again, I sort of talked about this with other movies, but like first time I saw this was on VHS. Mm-hmm. So it's like every time I see this, I get to see it in like a higher resolution, higher quality. Eventually, I'm going to see this in a theater on a really nice like. 35 millimeter print but today is not that day but um so i'm really really jazzed on it and i do think we have a very good top five i think this movie belongs in the top five Mm. um i think if anything it's because i have seen this so many times like i haven't seen this probably since high school but I, i watched this movie all of his movies a lot when i was in high school and um i know this movie really well i remember it really well but i think like because of this project, I saw the third man for the first time. I saw one flew over the cookies nest for the first time. And I know those movies are high up on the list. They didn't necessarily blow your guys's minds. Like they did mine, especially one flew of the cookies nest really hit me in a profound way. I found that movie to be incredibly moving. Um, very, very well made. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I think I'm going to have to put this right behind one flew over the cuckoo's nest mm. so would that also be number four uh that would put it at five for you wait how is that that one, one flew over the cuckoo's, cuckoo's nest, nest is fourth so if you put it behind it that would Eight. be fifth that would be five. Oh, okay so yeah i'll say that okay. right after one flew over the cuckoo's nest all right i i generally feel like this this list has some weirdness in it but one thing about it that is pretty solid is that i do think the top six are stuff that i kind of feel something about with the with the exception of Batman, where it was like, it's super fun, but I don't care about it ever again. Um, there's some interesting things about it, but um, so that's the little. But overall, I do feel like we've ended up on stuff a lot. A lot of stuff has ended up in a pretty reasonable place to be. Um, I think this is. I mean, obviously, this is behind Apollo 13. There's no doubt. Um, and Michael Clayton is uh, was good, but I don't care about it that much. And so this this hot seventh spot is going to be open to me for a lot of things, I think, where it's like, I like Michael Clayton, but it doesn't matter. Apollo 13 is the best movie of all time. So I'm going to give it a seven ranking, and it will probably not be the last movie I put in seventh, um, which, if we add those together, including Ezra's slightly trolly um, guess at number four, that puts this at 4.5 average score, which means the good, the bad, and the ugly from 1966 is officially the fifth best movie of all time number five 
just not just bumped Batman out of the top. Um, I am curious if we did um if we did this without Ezra's number, no difference. Okay, good. So Ezra did not <laughs> affect the outcome of this at all. Um, and he got to feel like he was a part of it. So that worked That's out great. great. Um, okay, so now we gotta get to the picks. So here's the interesting thing about what we're at. So we're at the end of round five, which means next week um, we're going to redraw and possibly score some points. It is my turn to pick. As I've said before, my least favorite part of this show is picking the movie. I really like when somebody, when you guys pick a movie that, and then I enjoy it. That's an ideal situation for me. Mm. Um, here's where it gets weird. So Anthony, you have this pitch and we're going to come back to it in a second. I was going to do it in the other order, but I'm going to do it in this order now. We already talked about it a little bit. I have this power card that I mentioned last week um, that is uh, moving via aspect ratio and film type. And I just said aspect ratio last week. I did not read the whole card. And Ezra posted in our Discord that this movie and Iron Giant are both filmed in, uh, was it 2.35, right? Um, yeah, pretty much the standard aspect ratio for widescreen movies. Well, for widescreen movies, which was weird for Iron Giant. Animated films were not usually done in this super widescreen format. It was kind of an interesting choice, according yeah. to this article I read. Also, yeah. according to um, IMDb, Iron Giant was actually 2.39 to 1, so slightly different anyway. But it doesn't yeah. matter because the whole card reads this. It is still overpowered, I think, but the whole card yeah. is actually much more confusing because what it says is move to any movie that was shot with the same aspect ratio and type of film as the originating film. And it turns out figuring out types of film is uh, kind of wonky. Yeah. It turns yeah, out I mean, there are like a lot of brands of film and it is we would have to make some serious um, decisions as to what makes something the same type. And it would have to be Technicolor as well if you're doing it from this movie, right? I, which is which kind of limits wait, you. Wait, no, where does Technicolor come in? That's a coloring process. The Technicolor is the type of like the film process that is film is being shot on. No, I thought film. I thought Technicolor was in the way the film is processed. It's it's in the way the film is shot. Uh we tried See, to look up what kind of film point. stock All it was, the, and yeah, we couldn't yeah. figure it out. It, it turns That's out it's point. actually not widely available what kind of film stock everything is filmed on. You can find some stuff about cameras, and you know the aspect ratio. But mostly when you look up type, it says uh, it's aspect ratio. Um, but So anyway, my whole plan today was to not have to pick a movie. It was great news. I could just say, same aspect ratio, Iron Giant 1999. I score five points and share them with nobody and have a great day. And I get to watch this movie I'd wanted to watch. That is also, instead of three hours, 90 minutes. What a great time. Um, but this I've already watched it. That's how hyped I am for it. I already you, watched Hunter it. Hunter already sent me the YouTube channel art for the movie that we have not gotten to yet. That's how mm. on you are for this happening. I mean, it's a very good fucking movie. I'm stoked about it. Can't wait to watch it. Uh, it is not available. Not not happening. Can't work. Um, can't make it move. Make the moves work. And since I did not plan a backup plan because I thought that would work until I was talking to Hunter right before we started today, I'm gonna let Anthony pick for me, which is what I want to happen anyway. So we are going to travel via Kevin Costner, Clint Eastwood. I mean, Sorry, Clint Eastwood. Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. They're the same. Same guy. Um, Clint Eastwood to unforgiven um we are gonna which is a sequel to the movie sorry um we're gonna watch unforgiven with clean Eastwood next week that was the pick it was anthony's pick but it was my pick uh and thank you for your help anthony it's a great suggestion right, no interested Besides, in learning more about it i have not seen this movie in a very long time 
Um, I I still have a power card from the first round draw that is just like not that helpful. And yeah, like all of my power cards now are just kind of like, ugh, it's not as I fun. have a power card from the first drawing that I literally do not understand what it means. Well, right, like, so I don't just, understand just what I would do with us, it. The thing about power cards is we asked for suggestions and then just I copied them verbatim right, out of Twitter right. and then dealt into the deck and dealt them out. And that's how this game works. It's not play tested. You just read your thing. We argue about we do some rules lawyering and then we find out where it's going to go. That didn't work in Hunter's favor last week. He could have could have yeah. gotten something more. But um, at least Ezra's rule was clear. Uh, and that's what I liked about that power card. But well, some of mine are clear, but just not very powerful. Um, I do have one that uses the word similar. And so that is going to be, no matter how it's used, Uh-oh. there's going to be some arguing over how similar is yeah. similar. Um, so we'll talk about that. But I, I don't know this thing about film type. So and aspect ratio is too is too overpowered, which is part of the fun. Some of the cards should be overpowered. Anyway, we'll get to all that. But instead, we're going to watch Unforgiven and not think anymore about it. So that's next week on the show. If you have suggestions, by the way, we'll still take more power cards. You can send us an email podcast at read-weep.com or you can send well, it to can, us. Can I ask a question about power codes? For yeah, please. Rule, yeah, rule. yeah, ask a question. Okay. If, if a power code... Okay, so how what is the length that a power code can be effective for? So oh. I have a power code that allows me to do something. Uh-huh. But if I do that, is that now canon for all things going forward or if i didn't know it, without you telling me what the thing is because yeah, i don't what remember but if you're if the power okay, is like I got, hunter I got is a not power on the code. show then we could decide no. how long that goes i but got like, a power code that just says suspend one rule oh okay so does that mean i get to suspend love this that part. rule forever or is like... it just for this one instance i get to suspend a rule and then uh it goes back to it at the beginning of the next week's recording, I so Hunter, this seems like a, this is a game. This is a thing that's come up in other board games. So I'm sure you have an actual answer for like what does a suspend the rule card usually do? Let's. Uh, I think that it would be most fun, and also would encourage you, Anthony, to be as drastic as possible with your pick. If it was with for one round, you can suspend one rule of this game, which there actually aren't that many rules. So I actually yeah. feel like you would just be like. For one round, you, what? You yeah, so it doesn't. Like, I, I think the word suspend yeah. means not for the whole thing. That would be cancel yeah. or remove. Um, but yeah, our house rules list, which we do have a separate page, the only one we have is that you can't pick an actor twice. That's the only thing we've written down. So you can't move by the same one twice. So you could get rid of that rule. However, I would say interpretation wise, you could suspend the turn order rule or something. You could suspend the rule that says we finish everybody before we redraw. You could suspend power cards. Um, you could suspend part of a power card. I don't know. I That's, think if you can make an interesting case for it, there yeah. is a rule that in, in D&D that Hunter, you taught me about, which is that if it's fucking cool, let it happen. Rule of cool. The, the rule of cool. And I definitely feel that game in this game. So, Anthony, if you can make a cool case for it, hell yeah. Okay. You can say like one of the rules is Alex is hosting, so I'm gonna host the rest of this year. That's, well, that's up to you. Mm, see, I just like I feel honestly like like I no no one man should have that much power. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I have I don't like it. I'm I'm right, so nervous. Then, so this is I the mean, flip side of the rule of cool is if you use it in a way that's not cool, 
it'll be a, a and it, bummer. And it won't be. And that'll suck. But yeah, it's, as it's long as we all think that. it's cool, then it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a great... You you might mention this since he's not here, but Ezra likes the most chaos. So you might yeah. mention this to him as a power you would be willing to use in conjunction with him at some point, and he'll come up with a way to use it that would be fun. Yeah, that's true. He does have a good mind for these sorts of things. Yes. 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 Hunter would be able to use it strategically. Uh, Ezra would be able to use it to do something wackadoodle. Um, and I don't have time to think about it, so don't ask me. Mm. But I'm op- also, we can ask the fans if you have a suggestion. Is there a rule or something that's come up that you think would be fun for Anthony to suspend? I'd love to hear it. Uh, podcast at read-weep.com. And I look forward to talking to you guys next week about Unforgiven. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back again next week with that movie, as just mentioned. You can email us. It's always podcast.com. We appreciate all of the Meat Buddies who help out the show. We really couldn't do this without your support. We especially appreciate all the people who are watching on YouTube now. Enjoy. Um, we've gotten some interesting. We've got like it's a, a slightly more active comment world than the, than the world on the, on the website because on on iTunes, you don't comment on podcasts the same way. So it's just, it's been nice. Um, we are um, not putting a lot of effort into how we look, you know? So we just want to see us in an average day sitting in our rooms. You know, you can do that there. But the thumbnails are very good now because Hunter's making wackadoodle thumbnails that look like YouTube world, and I like it a lot. And that was requested in a comment. So. Yeah. Anyway, if you, if you have thoughts... You're welcome, everybody. We'll You're talk welcome about it. for my thumbnail work. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for being here, Hunter. Always great chatting with you. Yeah, yeah. Good to be here. And Anthony Lopez. Thank you for helping me hey. make a movie. This is a lot of fun. Uh, remember that, if in the future, that I'm susceptible to deals about picking things that could help me, help you, or would just be, like, not a bummer to watch. So, that's an option. I didn't have to ask you this, but can we get from Unforgiven to... Avengers Endgame? Hopefully not. Um, I don't think Gene Hackman is an Avengers Endgame. Morgan <laughs> Freeman is not. Clint Eastwood certainly is not. Richard Harris was dead before they made it. So yeah, I don't think yeah. he's in it. He's probably not um, in it, huh? Yeah, I don't think we can get... I mean, Ooh. there's no way... I'm surprised anytime we get a movie that can't get us the Avengers Endgame yeah, yeah, yeah. because everyone's in that. Um, but I'm sure within a move or two, I mean, especially within Morgan Freeman, uh, you can get to somebody who's in Dead Ringer, uh, not Dead Ringer, but, um, Avengers from Morgan Freeman in the one. Oh, movie. for sure. This sure, is, sure. um, this is the 1992 Unforgiven, right? Yes. Okay, so the two people in common, according to IMDb, are John Roche, the Foley artist, and T. Daniel Scaringi, uh, who is in the camera department. So there's two crew in common. If you had the power card, travel by crew in common, which I think somebody does, or I, I think is on the list. I don't know if anyone has it, but I think that exists. Um, but that would be the only way to do it. Okay, cool. Well, thank you guys so much. Looking forward to it. We'll talk to everybody next week. Goodbye. Bye.